Nathan, uh, I'm not a praying man. Like George Bailey and It's a Wonderful Life, standing on the bridge with the with the snow coming down. I go like I'm not a praying man, but I have been praying for one thing about this episode. Tell me you have been working on a Ringo impression. <laughs> I have, but it's it's certainly not going to be as good as yours. That's oh, that's really <laughs> flattering, I guess. <laughs> um, are, are you saying I have to? Are, are you waiting for? It? I don't want to. I don't want to command this out of you, like a behind the actor studio. Well, you, you may know, I all of my speak to Ringo. All, <laughs> all of my impressions work best if I hear him hear them talk real quick. So, just really quick, I'm going to just hit hit him. Okay, you ready? Okay. Yeah, you're like a minor uh-huh. bird. You have to hear it and then yeah. immediately repeat it. Exactly. So. Okay, you ready? Yeah. You know, if that wasn't so funny, I'd be laughing. <laughs> okay. Now, if you watch the special, you you would be like, did he just oh, turn he, on he a scene an, from the show? <laughs> he is an Irish guy. <laughs> he is a he character says it. from Brave. <laughs> he says laughing. I Well, I'm not... I'm not, you know, I'm not really debating that that's the line that is said. All right, here we go. I'll do my real one. Ready? Oh, oh do the real. Okay. Okay. That was, yeah. that was the bit. That was a bit. Yeah, that was, doing. that was, okay, a, that I was, was totally fun. riffing. I got to say, you, you punked me with that one. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait for the real impression. Okay. Right, here Producer go, here Jeremy, go. get comfortable. I'm ready to yeah. laugh. Okay. You ready? Ringo Starr. <laughs> Nathan, pretty good, but I asked you to do an impression not to play a clip from today's show. <laughs> Sorry. I just, I had to punk you again. <laughs> You're always punking me. Did punk do a a two-hour-long slog from hell TV special that we have to cover at some point? Oh, that's a great question. I I will... Did the cooch go feature length like a? You know, Coocher had to be like jackasses in theaters. This is just <laughs> as good, except I'm much what? better looking. <laughs> um, I'm gonna dump looks... coleslaw in Demi's head <laughs> at the funeral. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh... Um, I, I don't know. I don't think there was. I think it is just a show. I think it was just a show. Ah, all right. Well, Sad I'm one. sorry to uh, have teased you all like that, audience. You were all at half-mast, and now I let you down, let you down real hard. Yeah. Uh, a common theme here on this show, Network Special, a podcast about the golden age of appointment-based television when you had to watch what was on, when it was on. But now, thanks to the magic of the internet, we can watch these programs again and again. My name is your co-host, Zachariah, and I am here with who? <laughs> My name is co-host Nathan. Hell yeah, and in the booth is producer who? Mr. Producer Jeremy Demery. Ring, ding, ding. Hey, speaking of ring, ding, ding, I'm talking about the biggest ring, ding, ding of them all because today we are talking about the 1978 special Ringo, released on NBC April 26th, 1978. And it was, of course, to promote Ringo's album Bad Boy, which we've all had to buy again and again on cassette, (laughs) on CD, on Blu-ray 3D, all of that stuff. We all love the album Bad Boy. I don't have to talk about it. Um, And this is a uh, uh, half hour? hour? It's an hour. It's an hour-long special. But oh, it flies by like it's half an hour. (laughs) Yeah, it feels it, it feels like it's forty minutes instead of forty five. <laughs> now, this album was this his first, or Ringo is his first? Ringo is his first. This is his fifth. I mean, kind of. He did two oh, okay. two albums pre Beatles breakup, and they were like songs of me youth, and you know, all the boys <laughs> and the lads, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, then he did. Um, Yes, the album Ringo. He uh, 
He did his second album, which I think is Goodnight Vienna. And um, uh, yeah, Goodnight Vienna. I read that. I read that. you know, he was doing all these like, you know, because all of his songs he does on the Beatles albums are like novelty songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, old Harry Nilsson himself convinced him that he could do a proper rock record. And that's when he dropped the novelty stuff and started doing normal songs, I guess. I guess. I mean, you can. I, I didn't hear that. A fact, but boy, it makes sense because his songs sound very Harry Nielsen esque. I mean, Harry Nielsen also may have co-wrote a bunch of he did stuff. It was, it was um, like he would get songs from his, like he got songs from him. He got songs from, and he also played on the records. And, and then he would get songs written by, um, of course, the other Beatles. Yeah, uh, the first two official albums, Ringo and Goodnight Vienna, sold really well. Then Ringo's Roto Gravere did not sell as well. Then Ringo the fourth did even worse. And now we come to the album bad boy and by bad boy, his albums aren't even charting in the United Kingdom. That's how low <laughs> Ringo star is at this point. I mean, it's kind of the classic thing where if you're, if you're kind of a passe for, five to ten years you are poison to pop culture you you aren't like the hot item and you're also not beloved nostalgia elder statesman yet you're just not cool you're not the current thing that's where Ringo was uh John Lennon was uh being a (laughs) addict somewhere he wasn't releasing music at this point (laughs) um McCartney was doing stuff with wings but it's like London Town and Back to the Egg, like albums that only hardcore fans are really into. So even though these are the Beatles, they're not quite like the Beatles now are almost mythological figures, right? They're beyond famous. They're oh yeah, just like a concept almost. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about songs of the youth. All the boys and the lads. <laughs> of course, those were the albums Sentimental Journey and Boku of Blues. <laughs> Down at the fish and chip chippery. <laughs> the old chip shop. <laughs> get get me an order of jelly dales. <laughs> Extra bones. <laughs> And mash and pudding. Everyone who hates it when we laugh at each other is really going to hate this episode because I have a feeling like it's going to be every Ringo impression makes me laugh, including when I do it. So sorry, everybody. Yes. If you don't like listening to enjoyment. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Producer Jeremy, give me, like- give me a Ringo. I refuse. Not bad. That was pretty good. You at least could Ringo. do their fake voices in Yellow Submarine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got this. Have you? <laughs> yeah. Nathan, when was the last time you saw Yellow Submarine? Have you seen it when you're now that you're older? Like, have you showed it to Marlo or anything? Your daughter? Um, I've never seen Yellow Submarine. Oh, you'd love it. It's really crazy um, and colorful. I don't know. I mean, yeah, what I like mean? colors. <laughs> I like colors. I'm just that that like when like that's one of the songs that I like anytime they're doing like you realize it, it is not an hour and a half of the song yellow submarine on repeat it right might as well be i, I just feel like you haven't seen like acid, it. all their acid stuff i'm just like get this stuff out of my face <laughs> <laughs> wait what Beatles songs do you like you know, I like Revolution Number Nine. <laughs> <laughs> I like the edgy stuff. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. I like, uh, you know, I I like to play the records backwards. Well, you love to hear <laughs> Satan talking no. to you. <laughs> uh, no, I, tr- truly, like my favorite ones are like uh, Penny Lane and like um, you know the, anything that's. I like the Paul McCartney stuff the most, but I mean that's the same. That's the same era. Yeah, I know. But whenever Ringo comes on, I drop out. Whenever you know, 
angry Lenin comes on or like or like Lenin freaking like, you know, or you know, it, it, like I don't want to hear about I don't want to hear Alice in Wonderland references. I'm not interested in, you know, fruit fields. And, although I like that, I like strawberry fields. <laughs> what I want is I want to hear stories of their youth just playing in the alleys right behind a smoky a smokestack factory. You got to pick uh, up know. these early Ringo albums then. Sounds like you'd love it. <laughs> and you know, like like trying to avoid um you know, paying a nickel for an Elvis record, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, we all know that song. No need to talk any further about it. <laughs> uh, the other thing that Ringo was very much hello, into hello. at this point... Uh, hello, goodbye, I like that one. Uh, Sorry, okay. drop that in there. <laughs> no, 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 as I'm talking anytime you think of another title you enjoy, just feel yeah. free to shout it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, Blackbird, uh, Blackbird. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a really long episode. Get keep the going, old edit button ready, Jeremy. Paper, paperback writer. Okay, all right. I, for my sanity and the fact that we're on a slight delay, I'm going to say this bit is uh, put on pause until that the, the until that the end. The okay. End. <laughs> That was the last one. Um, I was going to say, one thing that Ringo was a huge fan of at this time was cocaine. The man (laughs) loved, loved doing cocaine. So if you think he looked sleepy-eyed and out of it before, (laughs) when uh, he he didn't need any help in that department. But at this point, he is uh, shaking hands with Jack Frost mighty hard. And especially when you get to his early 80s work, it's that really jittery programmed style music that sounds like the person is on cocaine and cocaine is coming out of their hands into a musical <laughs> instrument. There's just a fogginess to it. Uh, yeah, well, uh, 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 a hyper intensity and you wonder why this person is okay. talking to you so close. It's kind of that, that energy. <laughs> um, although this, this program tells a simpler story. Now this is 1978 and um, it shares a lot of, the cast and crew of another big, big deal in the world of TV specials. That is, this is the same year the Star Wars Holiday Special came out. This was written by the same people who wrote that special. Neil Israel and Pat Proft, who went on to write all the scary movie uh, screenplays, the Hot Shot movies... Uh, and the okay. Police Academy movies and Real Genius, Police wow. Squad. They did Mary Tyler Moore, um, and you can see uh, there's a couple little glimmers of that style of joke that come out in this special. Except instead of Leslie Nielsen uh, doing the joke, it's Ringo. So <laughs> the delivery maybe isn't as tight as the drums that he plays the leslie nielsen you know, of the drumming world really yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know you know one thing i came to the realization after watching this was um ringo really is only good at the drums yeah right <laughs> there's yeah. not much else you know the thing with ringo is that i think just was a, a, a bad thing that happened in hindsight is when he was in the movie Hard Day's Night, all the film critics at that point pointed to his performance and they were like, and Ringo, he's great. The sad clown. He has such pathos. He's a really good actor. And the thing is, he's good at playing Ringo, like kind of, but like if you ask him to do anything more, he's not holding your attention. And he would star in movies like Caveman and Son of Dracula. Have you ever tried to watch that one? That's has, that's Harry Nilsson and Ringo Starr. I've got I've tried to watch it multiple times, and I can't do it. It's that bad. Are, that's like Harry. That's an era where like Harry Nilsson is like a god. Yeah, and is allowed to just do. Anything he wants to do, sure. He and also he has funding does, and support from famous people. 
Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. He had like he was like a like he was just like he could just do whatever he wanted to freaking do. <laughs> yeah. And he freaking did. Which I support that kind of thing. I'm all for that kind of sure. thing because it, it leads to great stuff being made. It also leads to unwatchable stuff being made. But that's yes. them's the breaks, baby. It's better than <laughs> mediocre stuff that who cares? Uh, Ringo, 1978, co-starring Art Carney, John Ritter, Carrie Fisher, George Harrison, and Vincent Price. Uh, they, oh, yeah. <laughs> they all show up. I think Vincent Price is one of the only people who is not high on goofballs in this special. Um, and I don't know if you caught this, Nathan, but there is a bit of a tip of the hat in the plot to another story called Prince and the Pauper. I don't know if you caught that or not. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 I'll I'll explain, because Ringo, you see, uh, plays two characters, one of whom is the giant, never more popular than right this second rock star Ringo star, and he also plays another character named Ogner Ratz, who is a big old nerd. Oh yeah, and they and they call him a nerd a bunch. They really make sure you know he's a nerd. Doesn't someone call him a donk or something too? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> now, when you think a nerd, you might think like 1950s Poindexter. And to really drive it home, this movie takes place in 1978, but it also takes place in the 50s because there are greasers and hot rods, and uh, people call him a dork <laughs> and a nerd. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? This is still like I think. Uh, okay, so one thing I was reading about, I, I read a whole thing about because one of the songs he does, I was reading about um, if he had any thoughts on the song, and we'll get there. Um, and so I read this basically this whole history of this time period, and that song came about, and this kind of stuff come, came about because this was like American Graffiti. Like all this stuff was happening mm-hmm. at the exact same time. Like the fifties were coming back and that lasted well into the eighties. So like, I think this is, it is obviously based. It's like the Kubert cartoon we talked about. It's like, this is based in this time period, but everyone's still waxing. Everyone's waxing nostalgic right. about this stuff. It's the first taste of fifties nostalgia. Like you said, with American graffiti, this kind of stuff. And then by the eighties, you're just swimming in the pool. Yeah. It's, but what would you say? It's like, it's like boomer TV. This yeah, would that be would those be boomers or is that like something else? Like the oh yeah, I mean this is no, this is yeah. boomers because yeah, it's people who grew up with the Beatles. I think this is probably an awkward stage though, just not only because the music was not anything especially amazing, but also because in '78 boomers are starting to have kids, like starting yeah. to have very young kids. So your time for watching TV or your expendable income for buying records is at a low point. Now, of course, like I get my mom whatever new Paul McCartney release comes out for like Christmas or Mother's Day or something. Now you can spend as much money as you want on those releases. Like you can spend 300 bucks to get the triple LP gatefold hologram with a sticker and a kissy from Paul. <laughs> but back then you kissy. couldn't, you love kissies. I know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you always buy the kissy bundle. <laughs> Uh, okay, so he's playing two characters. Of course, this whole story is introduced and narrated by George Harrison and George Harrison's perm. Yes, he is. This I was, he's right here. This is Weird Al's inspiration, like '80s Weird Al. This is what, or actually, you know what? It's a little mix. It's a mix of early '80s Weird Al mixed with a little bit later when his hair kind of fell a little bit. Yeah. Mixed with a uh, a dog with big curly hair. <laughs> yeah. And he's got um, really tall teeth. <laughs> he does. He's a real Mr. T. He's got tall teeth. These teeth, they look like um, sideways chiclets. <laughs> <laughs> like just a bunch, like just in a row. Yeah. Um, something about George Harrison's performances 
uh, I think George is kind of the stealth funniest person oh, in the no, Beatles. He definitely is. But usually his on-camera performances look like there is a gun trained to his head just an inch <laughs> away from the lens. He looks like he wants yeah. to be anywhere but in front of that camera. Well, he's the one that got really deep into comedy. Like he got involved with like Monty Python yeah. and all those guys and and made the, you know, helped make the Ruddles and all, the, all you know, all that kind of stuff. So like he's definitely the one who's the most in tune with comedy, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that he's He's not a stand-up, yeah. Camera. yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. he is funny. He just yeah. looks like he is watching that clock, <laughs> praying <Yeah>. he's done. <laughs> um, we hear a lot of Ringo songs in this before we get to the plot. And mm-hmm. I know you were saying, like, you know, Harry Nelson encouraged him to do this these records by himself and get out of the novelty business. But the thing with Ringo is that you don't get the impression, and even if you watch you know, Get Back or anything that he's in with the Beatles, you never get the impression that Ringo is just burning with something to say. He's not like, oh, if only I could write these songs. Like, he doesn't write the songs. These albums, almost all the songs are written by somebody else, and when he writes the songs, it's with three other people. Yeah, you know, like I was saying that he's really just a good drummer, but like, like I don't, like, I don't, think of him badly like i think of him as just yeah like he's just the guy to go along with like like he's great at drumming and uh hey i'll try this too and he's having fun and just doing what he wants to do and you know like i I, I, one of the things i read was that like paul wrote um like one of the, the songs that he would write for him to sing he wrote them very in like with five notes Sure. Within his very specific range because he could not get out of that range. Yeah. And so he just kept it, you know, and was like, this is, I feel like this is a guy who just knows his wheelhouse or whatever. Like, sort of he knows his wheelhouse, except when he doesn't. (laughs) Right. That's what I mean. What I mean is like, he's best when he's just doing what he's good at, but he does, you're right. He does try to step out and it, it doesn't. It doesn't play, but what I'm I'm just trying to say, like I'm not trying to bag on him, but like no, I'm not anti Ringo. It's just anytime he tries to do leave him alone. <laughs> anytime he tries to do too much, you're going like, okay, all right. <laughs> because even yeah, there's he, a couple times in this where he 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 hits a note, and I'm like, mm, I don't think the song needed to do that. His voice is, I'm assuming, what it sounds like whenever like a very confident guy at the pub sings, right? <laughs> Don't pass me by. Don't make me cry. Like, he knows he's not good, but he's going for it. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, he, he, like, like, I, I like, I, I like the idea of thinking of his music as, like, pub music. <laughs> <laughs> so he, man, I'm like looking. You sing with a beer in your hand. Yeah, yes. It's, you sing it with the lads. They're all kind of yeller <laughs> songs. So, man, I'm just looking at his Wikipedia. He's 81. Um, wow. He is the wealthiest drummer in the world with a net worth of $350 million. Who would Jeez. the other drummers be? Like the guy from The Police? <laughs> Jeremy, who would Stuart another... Stuart Copeland, is that his name? Yeah, right, yes, yeah. Wait, yes, you, it you is. Is a drummer from The Rolling Stones? I don't... R.I.P.? Yeah, sorry. Charlie Watts is uh, six feet under at this point. Hmm. Um, is it the Coldplay drummer? <laughs> <laughs> who are other famous drummers who aren't dead? I can't think of any. I'm like, oh, Gene Phil, Phil Collins. Phil Collins. Oh yeah, Phil Collins has to have a ton of money. Um, Lars from Metallica. Oh, for sure. That guy loves money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the guy who uh, used yeah, to own 20 early... Basquiat's in his bedroom. Yeah, he spent the early 2000s crying about money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. And going after anybody who possibly owed him money. Yeah. Oh, he must be the chillest hang, Lars. <laughs> oh, can you imagine having a five-minute conversation with that guy? <laughs> Speaking of close Is talkers. You're... Remember, remember that one MTV um, Video Music Awards where I think it was that where like Lars came out and hosted and he he like did a segment and he 
made fun of Napster. And then the guy who created Napster came out later and did another segment where they made fun of each other. Like, yeah, only one of those dudes. Both of those dudes are chodes, but like, (laughs) you know, I didn't really I wasn't siding with freaking Lars in that that (laughs) fight, you know? Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, the special. So. Ringo's a big famous drummer and he uh, is doing the rock star thing where he can't ever relax and he's poor little rich boy and John Ritter is playing his agent who doesn't let him ever relax. And then uh, 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 Ogner Rats sells maps to the stars homes and uh, he has an abusive father played by Art Carney. That's one of the jokes that I think is most um, like an airplane or something. Like we were talking about real genius. You were talking about those movies that they wrote, like um, Police Squad and stuff, um, where he on one side of the sign it says maps to the celebrity homes. Yeah. But then on the other side it says maps to regular people's homes. <laughs> when he's a rock star, he sings, he sells maps to regular people's homes. Yes. But that's what the other side of the sign says uh, the entire time. Oh, it does? I thought I only yeah, said that I'm when watching. he was a star. No, it's it, he has it all the time. Oh, the that's that's not as good a joke. It's like then. a <laughs> no. It, to me, only it made is, one it's like prop. it's like his second job. Okay, or something like it's like I don't know. Uh, either way, that's a funny. That's kind of a funny joke to me of like having you know selling maps to just I don't know. I don't know. To John's house. Or well, something. it doesn't land for me. So <laughs> by the way, you have Art Carney, who is known as a comedian. Art Carney. Uh, not playing this role for laughs. Like he is for no. real playing an abusive alcoholic. <laughs> He's playing this like an after school special. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, we were saying like Ringo, stay in your lane. There is some points in this short where when he plays Ogner, who is like awkward and sweet, where he almost is like good. And you go like, okay, he when he's just playing kind of a a put-upon schlub who's kind of sweet, you go, oh, this is... He can give, like, a genuine kind of heartfelt performance, and then it dissipates pretty quickly. But it's kind of like Ringo needs to play the underdog at all times. He does not work as an alpha character. No, and he's... But I think when he's playing the... um... When he's playing ring, I mean, when he's playing himself, he's not really playing like a macho macho guy or something. You know, he he still does the same. He's is still the same kind of like. It's the same just thing. Goes, That's what I'm saying. He yeah, needs to be yeah. going. He needs to be borderline playing a monster for the Ringo thing to be funny. Yeah, because people know Ringo is not like a horrific person. So if he was playing him as that, it would be funnier. But I. Maybe you don't yeah. <laughs> you don't give that note to Ringo at this point of his life. <laughs> you mean one of the freaking Beatles? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um he Ringo sees Ogner struggling um outside of the studio, and he says, Let's switch places. Ogner becomes Ringo, Ringo becomes Ogner. It's a tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Um, now, of course, to convince him, he shows him a modern ballet number set to a <laughs> orchestrational uh, rendition of Yellow Submarine. Yes, which, by the way, I never realized how much that song feels like um, It's a Small World. Until I heard this orchestral version of it, I can see it maybe that. you could play if you have that queued up. If not, then sure. Um, that that like at the very beginning of it, it's it's got that kind of oompa. I know this is a George Martin. It's a small world after all. Yeah, I can see it's that. a small world after all. And of course, whenever I hear this song, Yellow Submarine, I think about people in tan leggings jumping around a set that looks like the Painted <laughs> Desert. Oh, also, I think I mispronounced it. I think it's orchestral. Orchestral. 
yeah. This this is very and, much a um this is the kind of crap I hate. <laughs> yeah, well this also is like this is like the light rock version of the uh already pretty light song. And then it sh- then it cuts to them like dancing together and like they I mean like at one point, you kind of see Ringo looking at the other people to make sure he's doing the dance correctly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this is this kind of does feel like a one take, kind of one, one or two take kind of thing. I guess since he's two people in one screen, they had to do it a couple times. But well, there is a look alike that they have for the other Ringo, who always has his back turned and from three quarter turn behind looks a fair amount like Ringo. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, it, it worked. It's not bad. It worked. They, they, yeah, they had a good... Um, There's some points where they're both looking straight to the camera and it looks really crazy because they have like a fake <laughs> nose on the guy, but... <laughs> it kind of looks like um, when um, uh, the guy from Ghostbusters, uh, SATV... Um, well, oh. that's a couple of people, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Bill Murray? The, uh, no, the, the nerdy... The nerdy... Rick Moranis? Yeah, Rick. It looks like Rick Moranis playing George or playing uh, Michael McDonald when he's doing that sketch. Not playing Ringo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ringo uh, wants to chill out and drive on the strip, so he rents a car from Ogner's greaser bully. <laughs> and um, his girlfriend stops by, played by Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher, man, what a absolutely charming, cute actress 1970s yes. Carrie Fisher was. I, I know she had a boatload of problems and addictions. That's why she didn't do a little bit more. She's 21 at this in this. Yeah. She's great. She's such a good, she's such a good actor. Yeah. I wonder if yeah, I mean, Princess Leia kind of cursed her for a while. And you, you have to think, you have to be a good actor to be this in love with this freaking 40, you know, 50-year-old <laughs> or however old he is. And then this is where, this is the part where it launches into the song that I was talking about earlier about what I was looking up. And, wh- and what is this song? You're 16, You're Beautiful in Your Mind. Yeah. Now this, speaking of Small World, this song was... This is a cover, and it was originally written by the Sherman Brothers. Was there a um, background story with the Sherman Brothers where, like, they got in trouble for statutory rape or something? Okay, I don't know that story. But uh, so, uh, that so, is, I am do not know anything about. I'm asking. I'm by the way. I don't know that. So, <laughs> so okay. So th- this I'm 16 thing. Okay, so yeah. When you when when you see Ringo sing this song, yeah. right? Um, especially. He's singing it at that age to Carrie Fisher, who is younger, um, playing a sixteen-year-old. Apparently, I, don't I know. guess. <laughs> like, it, this is the point where I was going. Oh wait, are they supposed to be teenagers? Or I mean, is she a I, teenager? I, that's what I can't figure out. Yeah, that's what I can't figure out. So, anyways, he's okay. So this song, "Year 16, it was it was um, recorded by I forget who recorded it in the in the fifties though, and this is uh, this is one of the reasons why he did it. it. It's totally one of those like, oh, this is a song I remember as a kid, you know, it, like so Johnny Burnett, re- yeah. So he's just doing a cover of one of the songs that he would have listened to as a kid, in the same way that American Graffiti and all that stuff is. But so the but that guy who sang it, he would have sang it to. It would have been a song for teens to sing to each other, like it was a song written for teens. I hope it was. It, it, no, this is this is okay. So, <laughs> I found a Reddit where there was a rock historian talking about this song because mm. someone asked, "Why did someone write this song?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this song really would have been uh, like the Sherman Brothers would have. They like they wrote a song for like I think this song was we written this, for the, Sher- the Sherman Brothers who wrote "It's a Small World." They wrote all the songs for Mary Disney, Poppins. Yeah. Yes. Like they, they actually, I think there was even, they might've written this song for Annette Funicello to sing. Hmm. Uh, and she didn't sing it. So like, basically this would have been a song what for a them. Jerk. And then, right. And so then when this guy, Johnny Burnett sang it, it, it would, would have been like for his teen fans, not for him to date one of them, but for them to listen to it and enjoy it 
and think about each other. So like, so that's Although it an probably worked out pretty re- well for Johnny as well. <laughs> but also, I mean, but you also have to think about at the time too. Like in the South, that may have taken on a different. In the in the South, there was a little bit more. But in the seventies too, though, we know that like all these were freaking rock stars. Yeah, you know the guy from the Rolling Stones married a fourteen-year-old, you know, yeah. or whatever. And oh, there are you know so many rock songs up through yeah. like the nineties where they're like, "She's too young. I wish she wasn't fifteen, so she was legal." But I'm gonna get her anyway. Those are so many gross songs. Anything yeah, and about tons of little girl? I hate rock songs where they talk about like little girl as the way yes. to reference their crush. So, so, so the point being that initially when this song was written, it would have been written for teens, but when it's covered, it's written for the seventies, which is, you know, it's played for the seventies, which is a whole different story. Yeah. Man, Johnny Burnett died in a boat crash at 30. Horrible. Yeah, that was, yeah, when I read, I read about that. And this, yeah, so the, so the, the this cover of your, so it, sorry, this cover of your 16 reached number one in America, by the way. Yeah, Ringo's last big hit. I mean that—that's the thing. Like, like nostalgia was so high at this time, so it probably jumped to that just because of all these people who grew up singing that song or whatever. But these, but, but it's so interesting that that whole the Sherman Brothers where it all came from of them like the Tin Pan Alley of like all these people in this one area of New York, like Mm. basically writing songs and then. like writing all these songs, like I saw one was called like uh, "Kosher Cowboy" or something. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was something like that, you know. And it was just like a, you know a Jewish guy who's a cowboy. But it was like like they didn't they didn't release recordings. They would have released like they would have released the the songbooks, right? You were so selling like your you, songs to performers or sheet music or whatever. Yeah, so these guys would go around and they would just perform their songs just so people would hear it and then someone would buy. It. And then that's how Disney hurt, you know, you know, he that's how, you know, Disney heard a song that they did or something. But that's it's such an interesting thing to think about like um adults writing songs for kids. Hmm. But then now when yeah, I mean, but but we know now that in the 70s that's a whole other story. I mean, it's the same thing now in terms of adult, uh, a team of adult producers chips in to do one, like, you know, how many songwriters were on single ladies? I mean, I know Beyonce's not a teen, but like, yeah, now for all teen, a lot of teen stars, it's giant uh, warehouses full of producers and songwriters. They just keep throwing at uh, artists right. to make a hit. <laughs> Today's Hollywood, so- right? <laughs> he does this song. What's next after? <laughs> so then, so then, what happens is, is they switch places, and then now Ringo, now Ogner is now going on interviews, yeah. and he's, you know, he's going to perform and all this kind of stuff, and it just kind of like fizzles out. This thing, I don't know. It really just doesn't. Yeah, they kind of play the time out. Uh... He tries. Yeah. To, he like gets arrested because he kept the car and stuff. Ogner and goes like, on the Mike Douglas show and winds up falling into the drums. Uh, Ringo, Art Carney sees the car he's driving and decides it's stolen. So he calls the police to arrest Ringo, uh, who then escapes the cops and has to get to the co- the big show. They have to get to the big show that's happening. Um, yeah, and then this is where Vincent Price shows up to like, uh, yeah, because John uh, Ritter's character, um, he suspects that something's wrong with Ringo, well, and so he like brings in this doctor who's actually a hypnotist. Ogner <laughs> keeps saying, "I'm Ogner Rats," and so oh, Ritter right, thinks yeah. something is wrong. So Vincent Price does a routine where he hypnotizes Ogner to thinking he's Ringo. <laughs> And then so so Ogner goes into this deep sleep and he starts looking at all the old rock stars of the age and like again it's like this is like just a freaking this is just for buying time grown up. we're buying time at this point we're f- filling it out we got to fill it with something yeah Uh-oh. and this whole thing is just for people who are who are trying to remember the fifties <laughs> in a bygone era. Right. I mean, to be fair, we're we're watching this now when we are so sick of seeing 1950s era <laughs> stuff like there was every town diner didn't have 
cardboard cutouts of worlds or jukeboxes stapled to the wall. So it, I guess it wasn't as ubiquitous then, but uh, now it's pretty old hat. Do we even well, need to say then, that? Those- those diners would have still been around as normal That's diners. That's true. It was just called a diner. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> it wasn't like rocking cats, <laughs> 50s, hang. Um, very hurriedly, the plot is wrapped up where both Ringo's get in the same place and he goes, you'll be my tour manager or something like that. And <laughs> then the- I don't even remember that. The last 15 minutes are songs from the Bad Boy album and- Boy, are they not good. <laughs> they're fine. The last one, uh, the ballad, oh, the ballad is just the worst. It, exactly. They're fine. I, I could not remember them if if you paid me to do so. They're However, you must have been excited to see your boy on piano, Dr. John. Uh, Dr. John. Oh, Dr. <laughs> John was there. You know, Ringo, I, you got to get the blip on the hip, and that's no <laughs> ship. And and you know someone brought him a regular hat and he said no that brim's too long baby I need a tiny brim <laughs> the doctor's in to this hat the doctor's in the doctor's not in to this long brim <laughs> one thing I will yeah. say about this concert great stage that weird pyramid Amazing they're stage. in and like the sides of the pyramid lift. To reveal the band. Oh my gosh, it's so amazing! <laughs> I love this freaking stage. Yeah, if, if that's the tour, I'm going on that tour. <laughs> <laughs> and then it ends with Ringo standing on a star, singing a terrible ballad to us. Ugh. You'd think he would sing like "Good Night," you know, the ballad everyone knows from Ringo. That's like the closer. Nah, he has some other syrupy ballad he's trying to sell. This is always a new and and. Uh, you know, like loyal listeners will know, this is always a low point for me in any TV music variety special, a freaking ballad. Specials these- no, Nathan says <laughs> no, no to ballados. That's right. That's the famous rhyme that we wrote for that. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and it's just, um, um, I just, I, I don't hate ballads in, in life. I just, they're never good. They're always boring and just blah. And <laughs> well, ballad seventies and eighties ballads could be pretty rough, and I think it I also, like eighties ballads. You like all of them? It's no, it's the, <laughs> it's just I'm saying it's it's the seventies ones that are the the most annoying. I'm I'm gonna throw a lot of early eighties because they're they're not showstoppers. They're showstopping your trackers, where it's just like <sighs> the lead weight dropped in the middle of where the plot doesn't advance. Usually they're just singing to the camera, so nothing is happening visually. I don't know why that was always what they did. It's like, okay, time to get serious. You're just gonna make eye contact with the camera for this one. At, at least it was at the end. You could shut you know, it off. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's just like, oh, it's like, okay, this is this is over. We can t- switch to the news. You know, and as much <laughs> as we're saying about, uh, oh, this was you know, boomer and nostalgia and all that, uh, the Ringo special uh, finished 53rd in the ratings, and that was against 65 programs. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ringo couldn't place. Uh, anywhere near the top 20. I mean, like I, I, those kinds of things, you really need a, you really need like a tracker that shows when people dropped off. <laughs> Thank because I would you. love to see, I would love to see <laughs> when people how many people out. tuned in. Yeah. Like how many people tuned in at the beginning versus how many watch, because it's like, you know, if there's 65 shows, like, I'm just like if I don't know about this, I'm not tuning in. But if I see it, I might stick around. But if ever if if everyone tuned into this and it was the number one show, and then 20 minutes later it's number 53, <laughs> that says a lot, you know. This also must have been well, not must have been. I'm guessing this was the beginning of the end for this style of variety special. People may have been a little sick of this format by by this point. I guess we'd have to know, I'd have to see like how many came out after this. Right. 
the 78 because once once we get to the 80s this kind of thing is is pretty passe is there an 80s version of it though i mean i know there was some but it's it's not like it was in the 70s where this was just the form of entertainment if you were a celebrity you were going to have this kind of special a loose plot line a lot of celebrities showing up for one or two lines a lot of yeah. showcasing the songs that you're trying to sell. Yeah, I mean it's definitely 70s is the high is the high point for for um a narrative based music right. variety shows, you right. know. So what do you think overall? What would you give this? How many um how many rings out of a yeah, how many how many ringos out of dingoes do you give this how many ringos out of dingoes shoo boy <laughs> out I'm of 10 to, dingoes i think if you are a big beatles fan i mean check this out it is it is odd it is a little oddity that uh, i didn't know existed until about a week or two ago and i'm pretty mm-hmm. into the beatles i mean when i say i'm pretty into the beatles that's a very high bar to clear because if you've ever met a person who is truly into the Beatles, <laughs> they've seen this. <laughs> you you want to take out no a, a, a a restraining order on behalf of the Beatles. <laughs> Anyone who like listens to like studio banter for more than three minutes, I'm like, okay, you got to you got to get something going in your life. Wow, sick burn! You hear that? That's right. All you yeah, studio going in your life, banter aficionados. <laughs> you dumb. <laughs> That's right. You're buying your. I can see their room is just filled with like uh, when CD cases were like a a, a mile long. <laughs> Remember those like tall CD cases <laughs> oh, right, when they first had, came out? You had to put them into the record bins, so they had exactly. to be really tall. And yeah, cassettes yeah. had those giant holders that, like, with a handle on one end, like those robotic grabber style length, yeah. so you could pick them up so and smack you... your friend from across the aisle. <laughs> so if you tried to steal them, you had to rip those things off. <laughs> hey, looks like we're not above a little nostalgia ourselves, huh? I mean, I, I don't know. I think our podcast is pretty forward looking. <laughs> That's true. We say leave the past in the past. We put away we childish pri- things. <laughs> yeah. We primarily focus on, you know, what's what's to come. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Ringo, you tried, buddy. You tried and you failed. You know, if, if you're listening, you know, we we do we do like you. We think you're, you know, a, a really great guy. It's just I don't know. Ringo, peace and love, peace and love. (laughs) Don't make any more specials. No more specials, Ringo. It's time to hang up the sticks. Have you seen the video he made himself where he talks about how he will not be signing any more merchant? He will will not be signing any more autographs ever again. Um, I thought it was like no, don't send stuff to my house anymore. Oh, we can we can hear it right now. Let's close with this. Here here's a message okay. just in case you didn't get it, listeners. This is what Ringo wants you to know. Something I will say about Ringo, um he's in his 80s. Maybe maybe we can put the hair dye back on the shelf. Maybe <laughs> you don't have chestnut brown hair still <laughs> on his chest hair. <laughs> One second. Sorry, everybody. This is the famous getting the computer ready moment. And here we go. We start off, uh, Ringo is uh, doing this on his web camera. He starts off at a terrifyingly close camera angle where we just see his sunglasses and his nose and he backs up. (laughs) This is a serious message to everybody watching my update right now. Peace and love. Peace and love. I want to tell you, please, after the 20th of October, do not send fan mail to any address that you have. Nothing will be signed after the 20th of October. If that has a date on the envelope, it's going to be tossed. I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. 
So no more fan mail. Thank you, thank you. And no objects to be signed. Nothing. Uh, anyway, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> I want to know what happened after. Like, why that date? I guess he's just like, look, if you're going to say something, what about all the people who have sent something in the meantime? I suppose so. He's so. giving it. He's giving. Uh, you know, he's giving a time frame for all the pieces to come in the mail. But as soon as something hits after August twentieth, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> you're not getting it. <laughs> all right. I mean, so- what does he have to do? He's eighty-one. <laughs> hey, he's still touring with that all-star band. Doctor's appointments. <laughs> Covering up Paul's death. That's what he's up to. Peace and love. I have too many colonoscopies. Peace and love. (laughs) Pull-ups. (laughs) I have too much Uh, business with Paul. Ups. (laughs) Nice. All right. And with that, we say what we always say. Our catchphrase at the end. Oh, first of all, before we do that, please... Go to Facebook, go to Twitter, go to all of those places that we are, NetworkSpecialPodcast.com. Like and subscribe us on iTunes, Spotify, um, anywhere you go normally for this kind of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, what do we always say at the end? As we always trace. say at the end, <laughs> peace and love, peace and love. Jeremy, make sure you edit this episode correctly. Peace and love. No no bad bits. No lulls or pauses. No cut every um and ah. Peace and love. Peace and love. Bye.